Thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, where we share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do. So if I asked you to define what a promise is, could you do it without looking it up in the dictionary, I mean? (laughs) We think we know what a word means, or at least I do, until we look it up in the dictionary and find the real definition. Now the word promise can mean a statement telling someone that you will definitely do something or that something will happen in the future. This is the kind of promise we experience in political campaigns. As your president, I promise there will be a chicken in every pot sort of thing. Those kind of promises are the fodder and foundation of every political campaign everywhere. Vote for me because I promise to... You fill in the blank. And we, most of us anyway, take those promises with a very large grain of salt, right? We hear those promises and I'm not sure anyone really believes them. Sometimes I do believe the candidate making them has every intention of making whatever it is happen, but we all know the wheels of government never run smoothly, so it's unlikely that a candidate's promises will be fulfilled smoothly either. And even if we're okay with not believing political promises, I'm sure that most of us have encountered promises made to us in the workplace, in school, in relationships between friends and spouses that never quite materialized as promised. And even if we have great faith in Jesus, our absolute faith in all the promises of God may wax and wane over the years. We've been trained through experience to be skeptical. But promise doesn't just mean a statement of something happening or not. It can also mean the indication of future success or improvement. You know, like an athlete who shows great promise for astounding skill in their sport. Just having a baby, looking into their perfect little faces, we often see them through the eyes of future promise, even if we don't know where life will take them, because life itself can be a promise. Someone held you at your birth and thought to themselves, they're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, a great person who will change the world, etc., Life starts out with the expectation that anything can happen, that this child can do anything it puts its mind to, that their life has meaning and purpose even before we know what that purpose is. New life holds such promise. And we've talked about God's promises in a recent sermon series, and if you need to catch up, just jump on our Asbury Smyrna podcast and refresh your memory of those promises. But Christmas is the time we celebrate the fulfillment of God's promises made to us in the birth of his son. So what are they, and what does it mean for us to believe in those promises? How can we take a leap of faith and put our trust in the promise seen in this baby born so many years ago? Will believing in those promises make any difference in our lives today or in the future? Well, I certainly believe they can make a big difference in our present and our future, one that we can't afford to give up. 
one that we can only claim if we believe in and do our best to follow this newborn baby, the Savior of the world. And in our passage today, Paul, or a writer claiming to be Paul, is addressing the church in Colossae, a Roman city. And this means it's a Gentile church. And that's important only because Paul didn't start this church, so he doesn't really know them as well as the congregations he started himself. And Gentiles are fairly ignorant of Jewish history and the Hebrew scriptures that we now call the Old Testament. They didn't know Jewish law. They didn't really understand the whole exodus and parting of the Red Sea stuff. They haven't really been persecuted like the Jewish people have been. At least Jewish Christians had ways to relate to the prophecies given by Isaiah and Micah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, and see more clearly how Jesus fulfilled those prophecies and the promises made to the Israelites so long ago. So Paul is trying to paint a picture to these baby Christians with not much theological background about how Christ is the promise of God given to humankind for redemption. And he is hoping to help them understand that their response to God's love seen in Jesus is to follow his ways and live according to the gift they have been given, the gift of freedom from sin, the gift of eternal life through faith. And even though he didn't know it at the time, those words are for us as well. So what is he telling them and telling us? Well, Paul gives us a roadmap of behaviors, a way of living that will show the world that we belong to God. He starts this passage by using the words God's chosen ones or God's elect in other translations. Now, it seemed to me a bit odd that he uses the words chosen and elect with a Gentile population. Over and over in the Bible, we read that the Israelites, now the Jews in Paul's time, are God's chosen, God's elect. So how does that translate to the Gentiles? Well, Paul knows by this point that God has not left anyone out. No group has been left out of the promise of salvation. God desires that no one should perish. So God's promises are for everyone. However, it is not until we come to Christ in faith that we enter the kingdom of God and become part of the body of Christ that we can be considered God's chosen, God's elect. When we receive salvation through faith, God claims us as his own. We use the same language in our baptism. God, through the Holy Spirit, comes to us and marks us as children of God. We become God's chosen ones. Holy because we are forgiven and set free from sin. Beloved because God's love never leaves us. So how do God's chosen ones behave? Well, we are to be compassionate, kind, humble, meek, and patient. In the book of Galatians, we read a similar, more intensive list that Paul refers to as the fruit of the Spirit. And in Galatians 5, to 23, we read, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And in our passage today, he adds, Bear with one another in love. Be forgiving, just as you have been forgiven. In other words, nothing should come between us us as believers and followers of Jesus Christ. 
If we claim to follow Christ, we should display the same characteristics that he did while he was here on the earth. Now, Paul often liked to use the image of new life. He says in 2 Corinthians 5 that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away and everything has become new. In our passage, he uses the imagery of taking off clothes and putting on new ones. The old way of life is something to be cast aside, thrown away. But then we are to put on the clothes of love. Jesus himself said that the world will know we are his disciples by the love we have for one another. Another way of saying it is to put on love. Put it on like a coat and let the world see your love on display. This love will mark you as one of God's chosen ones. When they see the love in you, they will know that you belong to God and follow Jesus Christ. Now, why would we want to do that? I mean, put on compassion and kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Being patient is hard. Kindness really depends on how I'm feeling at the moment. Compassion can be hard, too, since there are so many situations in our lives and in the world that can just rip our hearts out. So we need to be careful, right? And some people are just plain hard to love. They don't want to be loved and actually work against it, doing awful things designed to make you hate them, and they don't care. So why go through all that effort just to be stepped on? Well, Paul tells us that we do everything everything out of gratitude for what God has done for us. Jesus came, stepped into our world to feel what we feel, to be tempted like we're tempted, to be human, working and engaging life so that we would know that God isn't just some faraway being who set things in motion and doesn't care how things work out, just leaving us on our own. That is what the manger The whole planning and preparation for the birth of Jesus was all about God with us, God loving us, God fulfilling every promise ever made in this one spectacular moment in time that actually encompasses all of time. Death and sin had power over the entire world until Christ came. He broke that power. And gave us the ability to be free, to live forever as God's children. And give us the wonderful privilege of being the fulfillment of that promise too. See, when we look at the baby, we can see the love of God made real. Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promises. All of them. But I hear what you're saying. The future God promised us is not really here. Things haven't seemed to change much. How can we trust that this beautiful world God promises will actually happen? In the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, and the peacemakers. These traits sound very much like those Paul is lifting up in our passage today. All of the traits or behaviors both Jesus and Paul are speaking about 
really can only happen when we have become children of God, God's chosen ones that have received salvation through faith in Christ. We can't forgive if we don't know what it means to be forgiven. We can't truly love until we have the love of God living in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. This baby came, and suddenly we have the power and the ability to gain these traits, to have them become part of who we are. Without the love and grace of God that we find in Christ, we can't fully live as children of God, people who live and love, forgive and have compassion, showing the world what it means to be loved. It is Jesus who gives us this power. His love, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection gave us the ability to do all this and more. See, in Christ, we are made new, taking off our old self and rising to new life in him. And not that that change happens in an instant. It does take time. But it is only possible through the love of God that we find in Christ. When we see these changes happening in our lives, we know in our hearts that we have received the promise of a new and beautiful future, and only because Christ came to us on Christmas Day. We can be compassionate, kind, merciful, patient, and forgiving, because Christ is all of that and more for us. His love changes us. And then as we are filled with God's love, We can change the world, making it look more like that future that we really want, the one promised by God. But I want to take note of the verse, verse 15, where he says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you were called into the one body. See, we often see all these good traits as individual traits, And certainly that is one way of interpreting them. And I pray we all seek diligently to make these traits or the fruit of the Spirit part of who we are as individuals, but they go deeper than that. Paul reminds us that we are called to one body, to be one together, not just individuals trying to live out their faith on their own. So this promise of a beautiful future can only be fulfilled completely when we work together as the body of Christ, showing God's love to the world through our actions and through our words, whatever you do, not just as individuals, but as a community of faith, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now we all want peace, or at least I hope we do, We all want a future without war, without pain, without suffering and grief. But what are we willing to do to get there? When we love, when we find ways to be kind, share Jesus with our neighbors, serve one another, share what we have, then we are pointing the way to God's future. When we allow the love of Christ to change us and give us new life, it's like putting on those new clothes and the world can see the promise because we are the promise. The future world is here now in us. Can we live and love like that future is here already? Can we show the world how the love of Christ born on Christmas Day so long ago has really changed us? Live every day as though we are actually part of one another because we are. 
We're in this together. We are called to live and love together in the name of Christ. Now, the word promise actually comes from a Latin word meaning to send forth. Jesus came, and it is in his name we are the promise sent forth. Sent forth to usher in this new glorious future. God sent Jesus because he sees the promise of this glorious future in us. So let us be the promise of the future, my dear Asbury. Put on Christ. Not just on Christmas, but every day. And in everything we do, in word or deed, let us do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen.